G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Tuesday rolls around quickly and on a Tuesday we like to check in on the breaking news headlines as they're happening in the nation of Israel. Ron Ross has been scouring the headlines overnight. Back with us again. Ron, welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Uh, Ron, let's start with some pretty serious headlines. Terror in Jerusalem, three stabbing attacks in three days. What are the newspapers reporting? Two individuals in their 20s were stabbed near Jerusalem Central Station Monday afternoon in a suspected terror attack and were evacuated to the nearby Zedek Medical Centre in moderate condition. The stab, later identified as a 17-year-old resident of Hebron, was shot in the chest by border police officer and critically injured. Earlier on Monday, an attempted stabbing attack was foiled by RDF troops at the Gush Etzion Junction, just south of Jerusalem. According to the IDF, the suspect approached the junction and once noticing a group of soldiers standing near a bus stop, started running toward them shouting, Aloah Akbar, and holding a knife in his hand. The soldiers responded and shot the suspect, critically injuring him. No other injuries were reported in the incident. Another incident was reported Friday last week, when a police officer was injured during the attempted stabbing attack in the old city of Jerusalem. This past week has seen an increase in violent confrontations reported between Palestinian individuals and Israeli security forces. Interesting enough, we've got Yom Kippur coming up, Neil, and it's a time of uh, great uh, somberness, uh, of seriousness, uh, a time of uh, considering through the years the amazing tragedies that have taken place on Israel and the Jewish people. And uh, it's a very savouring time to be around in Jerusalem. Yes, and uh, when you think of the idea that uh, Islamists appear to be emboldened after the fall of Afghanistan, and I'm not sure whether there's any headlines drawing attention to any connection there, but, but yes, in a week when, and listeners to this program will know we've been talking about these feasts at this time of year and Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement coming up this week, as you say, Ron, a time of sombre reflection on some of the very bad things that have happened to the nation of Israel. And there's been plenty of them. Let's talk about a study that reveals, and this is interesting because we've been monitoring along the coronavirus and the vaccination campaign, and Israel did appear to be leading the world in so far as vaccinations go. But this study shows that Israel leads the world in the most coronavirus cases per capita. What are the headlines saying here, Ron? Eric, leading the world in cases per capita over the past seven days, a study published by Oxford University shows. The study also saw Israel coming in the fourth percent in coronavirus fatalities per capita. The likely cause that Israel ranks lower for COVID-related deaths is that most Israelis over the age of 60 have received at least two shots of the Pfizer vaccine and many have already received a third. 
around 2.35 million Israelis in the general population out of a total of 9.3 million have received the third boost. Six million Israelis have received at least one dose. Last Wednesday, the country recorded its highest caseload in a single day, with more than 11,000 people infected with the virus. Well, we'll know that the whole world is watching what outcomes are there, and those things are significant. Let's move on. The Israeli Prime Minister Bennett and the Egyptian President Sisi are talking about Hamas and Iranian threats. Naftali Bennett's visit to Egypt, the first by an Israeli Prime Minister in a decade, Ron. Yeah, disarming Hamas, the return of the hostages and halting Iranian aggression were high on the agenda when Bennett and Sisi met in Sham al-Sheikh in the first parley in a decade. It was a very important and good meeting, Bennett said before his return to Israel. First and foremost, we created a foundation for deep ties in the future. Bennett was the first Israeli Prime Minister publicly to visit Egypt since his predecessor, Benjamin Netanyahu, met with President Osni Mubarak in 2011. Back then, there was only one flag flown, the Egyptian one. This time, the Israeli and Egyptian leaders sat next to flags from both countries. A very important meeting, and one would think President Sisi's attempt to look like a peacemaker before he visits Washington. Okay, another headline in Afghanistan. The Taliban says it welcomes relations with the United States and with other countries, all except one. What's the story here? Of course, we won't have any relation with Israel. We want to have relation with other countries. Israel is not among them, Taliban spokesman Sahal Shaheen told Russia's Sputnik. After the humiliating US withdrawal from Afghanistan last month, The Taliban says it's ready to establish ties with Washington. Yes, of course, in a new chapter, if America wants to have a relation with us, which could be in the interests of both countries and both peoples, and if they want to participate in the reconstruction of Afghanistan, they're welcome, Shaheen's spokesman told the Taliban, uh, for the uh, Taliban terror organization, told the Sputnik News. Of course, we won't have any relation with Israel, he added. We want to have relations with other countries, but Israel is not among them. And now we add to that, the Lebanese Prime Minister Najib Makati followed the Taliban's lead by expressing a willingness to work with every country in the world except for Israel. Asked if he would be willing to cooperate with Syria to solve Beirut's economic humanitarian crisis, Makati, who is one of his country's wealthiest people, pledged to deal with anyone for the sake of Lebanon's interest, with the exception of Israel, of course, he added. And, Ron, let's top off with an environmental story in one sense here, and uh, sometimes nice to reflect on biblical environmentalism as it comes out of Old Testament times even. In Israel, this is a Sabbath year, and farmers are giving their land a year off. What's happening? Yeah, in Israel, every seventh year is supposed to be a Sabbath year when farmers don't raise crops. It's a great rest for the fields, but a huge test of faith. Starting the second week of September, Israeli organic farmer Ben Rosenberg will stop planting in the field. He'll grow his veggies in raised containers inside fabric-covered hothouses until next September. Israel 21C reports the hothouse setup was expensive, 
only be able to grow about half the usual 40 seasonal variety he raises in the field during a normal year. But this is not going to be a normal year. In Israel, it's the year 5782, 5782 of the Jewish calendar. Started at sundown on September the 6th, a sabbatical year for the land. According to the Bible, in the Old Testament, every seventh year in the land of Israel is a Shemitah, meaning release, when debts are cancelled and fields lie fallow and ownerless. Promoting growth through most forms of ploughing, planting and pruning is forbidden, as are the usual methods of reaping and harvesting. Any previously planted vegetable, flower or fruit that grows in the soil during the sabbatical year has a special sanctity. It must not be wasted or sold. It should be made available freely to anyone in acknowledgement that this land is God's, not the farmer's. The Bible promises a triple bounty in the sixth year of the agricultural cycle, enough for the sixth, seventh and eight years until new crops can be planted and harvested. Leviticus 25 verses 20 to 23. I imagine you might have a personal reflection here, Ron, but uh, when you have this sort of thing happening by way of a culture, uh, the Israelite culture, you might say here, you mentioned the year 5782 on the Israeli calendar, uh, and uh, this way that you can think of environmental impacts on the land, this is not experimental. This is something that through their culture they've seen all of these generations, that when you do rest the land on the seventh year, you get the the bumper crop on the 6th and you have enough to go through until that uh, next year or two. So it, it goes back into this is what the culture has shown works. It's tradition, it's from the Bible and it's produced prosperity uh, ever since Israel began. Well, Ron, always appreciate your insights. Thank you so much for taking some time to share them with us once again today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.